Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we break down everything in racing. Joining me in the studio this evening is Mr. Gray Warren, Mr. Richard Uden, and Mr. Seth Eggert. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing good. Very good, thank you. Pretty good weekend of racing behind us there. We had uh, Kyle Busch setting a milestone win, taking his 200th uh, NASCAR win at Auto Club Speedway. And we will uh, have a healthy discussion about that a little later on in the show, about how and where that puts him uh, in the annals of history. Um, But before we get to that, uh, Formula One had their season opener down in Albert Park. Um, Richard... I promise you could go first this uh, this week with Formula One. So we're gonna lead up with Formula One. I, you know, I go, I always feel so bad when we stick you to the end of the show and say, "Okay, you got about three minutes left after Joey took all your time." So but, uh, the floor is yours, sir. So let's talk about the the Mercedes. Okay, so the Mercedes won the race. It's not the one we're used to seeing. It was Valtteri Bottas who won the race, and and good on him. He mm-hmm. uh, he silenced a lot of his critics, but uh, the gap between Mercedes and the rest of the field is much more pronounced than it was one year ago uh, at the beginning of the season. As a matter of fact, last year, the Mercedes were a little behind uh, the Ferrari, the Ferraris and the Red Bull. But now, I mean, this coming out of the box this strong, it's got to be scary for the competition, don't you think? I think it has. And uh, I think you make a very valid point there. You know, all throughout the um, preseason testing, it's been about how strong Ferrari have been. And then we, we come to Melbourne and it looked like they bought last year's car to the race rather than this year's. You know, they, were, they weren't even at the races by, in, in their terms and what you'd expect to have seen from their pre-season performance. Um, I, I, I don't think the gap is as big as it appeared. I think that come Bahrain and China and some of the later races, Ferrari will be closer and Ferrari will be more competitive. You just, you just have to think that it was a... A fundamental setup floor, an issue that Ferrari maybe just didn't get their head around and understand. What you have to remember is that all the preseason testing is in at one track with one setup with one aero configuration. So 
um, while teams will try out different aero configurations in Barcelona, they will never get a real feel for how they'll work when it comes to the specific track that the aero configuration is designed for. So it's a little bit of a, you know, it, it's like, you know, a, a long distance runner only ever training over 100 meter sprints. You know, yeah, you get, a, get an idea of who's, you know, fast, but it doesn't always give you a true reflection. So I think Ferrari will come back stronger. There's no doubt that Mercedes are very, very strong, stronger than we expected. But if you look at, if you look at the gaps between the teams throughout the weekend, they were all pretty much where you expected them to be relative to Mercedes, apart from Ferrari. You know, the gap between Mercedes and Red Bull was what we'd seen during pre-season testing. And then what we'd seen between, you know, the, the Red Bull, or sorry, Mercedes and the Renault and the Haas and the, uh, you know, the, the McLarens, the other cars. So it was just the Ferrari that were really out of, pe- out of place, uh, which I think maybe has sort of skewed the results a little bit. Um, but again, also, as you, you quite rightly mentioned as well, what a drive by by Valtteri Bottas. I mean, did everything he was asked and more. Um, he wasn't asked to get the fastest lap and he did. But um, you look at, you know, he, he made a fantastic start, which is something the guy's always been very, very good at. You know, he's, he's one of the best starters out there and, you know, got the jump on Hamilton earlier in, you know, off the, off the line there and, and just kept that gap. Now, if you've been reading some of the media and, and the internet, of course, yes, Hamilton lost two inches of bodywork, which apparently cost him 30 seconds over the course of the race. Now, whatever. I don't believe that for one minute. I think it's Mercedes trying to cover Hamilton's uh, ego, <laughs> to put it bluntly. Uh, you know, Hamilton, no, was I mean, honestly, Hamilton was beaten. You know, there's, honestly, there's no yeah, honest, about it. Honestly, Hamilton rarely starts out the season strong. He usually takes a couple races to kind of get in the groove, and then once he, once he does, he becomes unbeatable and, and, and rips off like five, six some- in a row, so... But do you think there was something a little bit different about this one? You know, in the past, when he started slowly, there's been this air of apathy about him. I didn't really see that this weekend. You know, he had that, you know, he was beaten. You know, he was genuinely beaten. You know, not, I, I can't remember the last time he was beaten by a teammate at the start of the year. Maybe beaten by other cars and other manufacturers, which is also a, you know, a team issue. But, I'm sure he has been at some point, but I, I'm sure Rosberg, you know, maybe gave him a good run at a couple of the Australian Grand Prix over the over the years. But this is the first time that I can think that he was actually hands down beaten. And 20 seconds in Formula One in 2019 is a lifetime. Um, and yes, oh, he lost yeah, a bit of bodywork, yeah. blah blah blah. Oh, poor little Lewis, you know, whatever. Um, and he was on the wrong strategy, and that's fine. He was, but he was on the wrong strategy because he lost the place off the start. And he had to react to Vettel. If he'd got ahead of Bottas at the start or stayed ahead, then Bottas would have had to pit early to cover Vettel and probably had a poor race and everybody would be saying how poor, you know, uh, Bottas was. But, you know, he, put, he backed himself into that corner by not making a good start. And it shows how critical it is, um, you know, the qualifying and the start of the race, how critical it is to the overall result. So I think... Huge credit has got to go to Bottas. Huge, huge credit because he went up. You know, he had a rough year last year. He could have won three or four races and didn't through his own bad luck or, you know, team tactics or whatever you want to call it. Um, And, you know, the guy is under pressure. There's no two ways about it. Unless he performs to the highest of standards this year. And you're talking about potentially championship winning standards. Esteban Ocon's in that car. 
no two yeah. ways about it. And, and we've um, seen we've seen in the past that uh, you know Mercedes will you know will not resort to team orders you know to make sure Hamilton gets that fifth because uh, you know look at uh, Rosberg's crown from just a few years back you know they and then he won that one fair and square and <laughs> quickly walked away from the sport so I mean the ball is in Valtteri's court. He just oh. needs. He just. He just needs to perform now. But what a great start to the season! I'm sure his 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 ego has boosted his. Uh, you know where he felt kind of kicked down and last year, and a lot of folks were putting him down, and and just all these confidence um, robbing statements coming his way for him to come through and start the year like this. It's going to be a great season between those two teammates. Mm-hmm. Oh, without without a doubt, without a doubt, and you know it, it, it's interesting the sort of the dynamic there and how the team will react because again, and we've talked about this on the show countless times, you know, the big teams, the to a certain extent Ferrari, I'm going to use Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes and, and McLaren to a certain extent have this conveyor belt of young drivers, you know, and we've seen them, you know, come through the, the Max Verstappen's, the, the Sebastian Vettel's, the Charles Leclerc recently. These teams are under pressure to put their kids in the top car. That's their job. That's the reason for doing it. So with Ocon, there is you know, no doubt he is a fantastically talented driver. And he has to get a Mercedes seat next year in reality. Where is he, you know, if he doesn't, what does that say about their junior series? You look at, I mean, Red Bull is a prime example. You could name half a dozen guys that have been through there that, you know, never got a drive in a Red Bull that probably deserved it. Jean-Éric Verne, Jaime Alguasquari, Sebastian Buemi, all have gone on post-Toro Rosso and had leading careers in other series. You know, winning careers. Um, so it's almost like they're, you know, it, it, it's, you know, that whole junior series thing is, is it who's the, you know, it, it's the right place, right time scenario, probably more so than any other seat in Formula One, so you know, you, you, but you've also seen other guys come through. You know, Pascal Verlaine just disappeared. You know, okay, he's gone to DTM and he's in Formula E now, but you know, everybody was was raving about him when he was driving for uh, for Mana and for Sauber, but it just didn't click for him. Rumors are he, was, he didn't work particularly well with with the teams that he was you know based at, but it's. Um, there's, there's a lot of pressure on them to do something with Ocon and to do something big because he deserves a seat. You know, there's some guys out there maybe not deserve a seat right now. He definitely does. And they've got George Russell, Russell as well, who's been learned out to Williams. Now, there was a strong possibility for a long time that you'd have uh, George Russell and Esteban Ocon in a Williams, but whether Mercedes thought it was better to keep Ocon, you know, close at hand than, than learn him out, I don't know. But if if Valtteri steps up and, and has this sort of year that, say he pulls a Rosberg, you know, from, from the, you know, 2016 and goes out and wins a championship, what do Mercedes do? Can they drop a championship winning driver to put this kid in? It's, not it's not immediately. Story. Yeah, it, it is. It, not, but I mean, where else are they going to put him? You know. So well, exactly. But, but let's exactly. Uh, let's let's go down the grid a little bit, okay? So mm-hmm. now Ferrari, we've talked about them being off the pace a little bit. So uh, yeah. there were some team orders yeah, or, or not there. I've, I've heard the, some rumblings that uh, Leclerc was supposed to yield to Vettel or, or, or whatnot. So can you kind of explain that a little more? 
Well, what, what we you saw. know, obviously at the start of the race, the you know both throws were out of position from where they expected to be post preseason testing, and early in the race, Ferrari gambled basically. They 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 short pit, they short stopped. Um, Vettel tried to get the undercut on Hamilton, or at least put pressure on Hamilton and force them to make a mistake. And traditionally, Mercedes haven't been quite as good as tyre management as Ferrari, so maybe they're trying to force Mercedes and force Hamilton into a mistake. But what that did was that put Vettel on the back foot, and he lost a position to Max Verstappen, lost third place to Verstappen. So he was running fourth for a long period of the race, and Leclerc was on a more conventional strategy, which resulted in him having far fresher tyres towards the end of the race. And from like with 20, between 20 to go and 10 to go, it was almost Leclerc was a second a lap faster than Vettel, and then got to two or three seconds back and just you know held position. Um, so people, the knee-jerk reaction was, oh, Ferrari, uh, you know, favouring Vettel straight away and all this sort of stuff. And publicly, they have said that they will do that if the circumstances arise. However, the only reason Vettel was in that position was because they had to react to a strategy, and the team put Vettel on a bad strategy. So Ferrari defending themselves by saying, well, look, if we'd put Vettel on a conventional strategy, we would never have had this issue. But we put this, you know, Vettel in that position, so we didn't feel that it was fair to, you know, reduce Vettel's points haul because of a strategic decision we made as a team. Now, I can, I can yeah, see that. You, you can almost use that and rationalize yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, the average um, fan is going to call BS, but of course, yeah, what of are course you going to do? Is, so yeah. now, speaking yeah. of the average fan. Um, there's a lot, you know, I, I've, have, I've told you all, I love to torture myself by reading social media comments, but the, mm-hmm. the overwhelming thing I keep reading is that Vettel is done. He's washed up, get him out of there, set him with Alonzo, do the 8,500. He's gone. He's got nothing left. <laughs> do you subscribe to that? Or is that just bitter fans? Because I, mm. I think the guy's still pretty darn good. I think what we're seeing is that. Uh, what's the best way to phrase this? I think what it does highlight is actually how good the Red Bull car was in the early 2010s, where he won those four world championships. Uh, because you know he was up against, you know when Mark Webber left, he was up against Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel Ricciardo beat him in that first year. He went to Ferrari, and pace-wise, was pretty level pegging with Kimi Raikkonen through that. Now, if Charles Leclerc comes along and, and beats him and is, is pushing him hard, then it probably, I don't want to say tarnishes Vettel's reputation, but certainly drops it down a peg or two. You know, you don't have that big three that you had a few years ago, you know, Hamilton, Vettel and Alonso. You know, for a long period of time, that's what everybody thought was the, with, with the top three. You may start to see yourself in a position where you you have Hamilton out there by himself now with Alonso having moved on. Um, I certainly don't think Alonso's reputation as a raw speed was ever damaged by the unsuccessful spells he had at McLaren. But it was certainly potentially, you know, there is harm to Vettel's reputation um, if he is pushed by Leclerc as such a young driver. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. You know, Vettel's obviously got a fight on his hands and he's going to have to raise his game. Um, yep. You know, w- would you see him if, if, 
if Ferrari were obviously putting their faith in Leclerc. As- With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. As the future, would you see a situation like you saw at Red Bull in, in 15, I think it was, where um, you know, Vettel jumped ship straight away? Um, well, you know, we saw the same sort of thing at Red Bull this this past season where they want to put all their faith in Verstappen. And while Ricardo's still winning races, you know, yeah. they, they sort of – I don't want to say they pushed him out of the team, but well, they, they provided him an environment that made him – feel un- unwelcome and look elsewhere and this is all for the world to see on this the new netflix documentary well, drive that's exactly what I want. It's quite quite interesting yeah. to watch that, that's a, that, that's a a show i want to actually to mention um tonight really that is it's a fantastic series and it, it shows um just you know a, a new side of film one that i don't think has ever been seen before i mean um gunter steiner obviously have to, has tourette's um, I don't think I've ever heard anybody swear so much on the pit box. And in all fairness, it's quite understandable at times. Um, but you look at the whole dynamic and chemistry of that Red Bull team from last year. You know, no matter what, I mean, Christian Horner's a snake. I'm sorry. He really is. Um, there is no two ways about it. That team has put the money and put their backing into Max Verstappen. No two ways about it. And he could say, oh, we want to keep Daniel Blower. When can he, you know, Daniel's fun. And he's a fantastic driver. Probably the only reason they wanted to keep him is because he, they knew that if he left, he'd be a benefit to another rival team. Not because they genuinely wanted him or they genuinely felt that he was the guy to deliver them the next world championship post the tell. You know, they had, they just, I, I don't know. The, the, you just got that. Now, of course, you've got to be very careful with how these shows are edited. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the indication of, of, of how, uh, of what the producers want the public to see. But you got the very, very strong opinion that all of their eggs were in Verstappen's basket. And I think, yeah, I think Ricciardo has made the right decision to get whether Red Renault was the prime location for him to go to, but and you don't know the terms of his contract, but it certainly opens him up to moving to another team post Renault potentially if it doesn't work out there for him. 
Yeah, but, but Renault, Renault was probably the best of what was going to be available there because there's sure. not, not going to be a sure. Ferrari or a Mercedes seat. No. You know, and even like dro- dropping down a Torralsi is still a few steps down from the Renault. And Renault was a factory team that's spending a lot of money and looking towards building and growing their program. So exactly. now speaking of Red Bull, uh, third place finish for Max, uh, their first outing yep. with a Honda engine. So uh, yep. uh, that's that surprised some folks that the Honda was uh, better than we thought. Uh, but Pierre Gasly had kind of a, a Gasly weekend, huh? Yeah, I mean, again, there's huge pressure on these kids stepping up, you know, from from the junior team up to the senior to, uh, you know, to, to a bigger seat. And some guys just click, others don't. And if they... You, know, you look at all the new guys I'm trying to think of from this last weekend that were either... Guys like Lando Norris or George Russell beating arguably more experienced teammates in, in over the weekend, or Gasly struggling against Verstappen, um, and you know Lance Stroll, you know outperforming um, Sergio Perez there. You I know, thought Stroll had a good weekend, honestly. Yeah, no, I he finished. You know, he started towards the back, finished in the points. Uh, yeah, you got to give the, the guy the car credit. Clean. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because we really didn't. You really didn't get to see what he has uh, because he was in the Williams last year. So now that he's yeah. got a car that's a little more midfield, I, I thought he had a, a, a very respectable weekend. Stroll did. Well, he did, and you could argue to a certain extent because his dad now owns the team. It's going to be even harder for Perez to, um, you know, compete against him because yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, but I mean, you know, Raikkonen outperformed Giovinazzi pretty solidly. Kvyat outperformed Albon. You know, I, I think you'd have to look at. You'd have to probably say Giovinazzi and Albon are probably the the two that you look at and go. Nah, they're going to have to step up, especially after what Leclerc did at Sauber last year or Alfa Romeo as it is this year. Um, you know, and if Ferrari are evaluating Giovinazzi, they've got a known quantity there in, in Raikkonen. Um, yeah, I thought Raikkonen drove exceptionally well, um, as, as you'd expect. I mean, the guy's, the guy's pretty damn good, isn't he? Um, yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's why he's Kimmy. Yeah. So, um, you know, there was there was hit and misses with the young guys this, this week. But, um, yeah, Gasly in 11th was a struggle. Um, you don't want to see too many weekends like that. That's for sure. No, not not no. when your teammates on the podium for sure. So. No, Other, well, otherwise, otherwise, Kvyat's going to be back in a Red Bull again after he's been fired and refired and hired and yeah. Yeah, he's like a bouncing ball. Bouncing Good ball. grief! He must have some photographs of somebody somewhere because I don't know how he keeps coming back. That guy. <laughs> Oh, my. Um, good form in one segment. Anything else you want to touch on before we move over and, and let um, let Gray and Seth have some airtime and talk about uh, NASCAR? Um, I mean, I, so the only thing I wish they did, how good would it be with the production of this Formula One documentary that we've seen, if they were to actually do that? I mean, I know it'd be a tight turnaround, but actually do that every week post-race, like on a, on a Thursday or a Wednesday, or, you know, like the NASCAR shows do. Have a, you know, a similar show to that for an hour on a Wednesday or Thursday post-race, giving people a little bit of an insight as to what's going on and a bit more detail. Because a lot of the things that you're seeing in these shows are a year old. So you're... Yes, it's chronicling it's, last, last season, yeah. Yeah, you know, you're like, well, hang on. I'm watching a show from Australia a year ago while I'm waiting to watch the Australian Grand Prix this year. And we know what happens. You know, we know who 
wins and who does this and who does that. So I think it'd be great. And I know the turnaround time and the production quality and all this sort of stuff is, is very, very time consuming and very, you know, they're making a slick product. I get that. But if they could do something like that, you know, within a few days of the end of the race, while emotions are still high and Gunter Stein is still filling the swear box, um, it'd be fantastic. It would be fantastic, yeah. I mean, probably I don't never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know that it'll work on the Netflix platform because Netflix, if you've noticed, whenever they come out with a series, they drop the whole series all at once, the whole season. Yeah. So, and I, th- I think that's the way they prefer their format to work. But th- then again, we're a racing show and not a television production well, show. Just, but yeah. Thought, but if, if they had, yeah, one hour breakdown show, um, you know, sometime in the, in the midweek, uh, that would be pretty neat if they had something of that production quality and value. The, that would be neat. Yep. Is that Drive to Survive a, a Netflix show or a Formula One show? Who produced it? I'm not sure. Uh, that's a good question. Maybe we'll find the answer for that and if uh, it's come, on come Netflix, back with the next if it's on Netflix, it's a Netflix show in this sense, uh, as far as it premiering exclusively on Netflix. Right. So Netflix, they have, Netflix is a distributor, yeah. though. They're not a production company. They're a distributor. So, I mean, there's a difference. But again, let's, let's talk about racing, guys. So, Seth, yeah. great. <laughs> 200 wins for Kyle Busch. Some folks are saying he's tied with Richard Petty. Other people say, how could you say such blasphemy? Somebody else said, what are you talking about, tied for the lead? Dick Trickle has 1,200 career wins over all kind of tracks. So, realistically, we know that you can't compare Richard Petty's 200 wins to Kyle Busch's 200 wins because there, there were different categories then. Uh, different races were counted as cup wins and grand national wins and whatnot. But at the same time, where do you feel these 200 wins rank Kyle Busch in the echelon of the NASCAR greats? Well, for me, um, Kyle will definitely be a Hall of Famer. It's uh, without saying, essentially. And although it is two different records, there are a lot of similarities. Uh, granted, two different eras, uh, the competition level to a certain point, much different back then than it is now. But at the same time, there are some, like I said, eerie similarities. Both Kyle and uh, both the uh, Kyle and Richard had to wait for their first win. Kyle, because of age restriction, Richard because his father Lee Petty had protested his first win and actually got overturned. Um, so it, the both honestly got their first win, at least one of their first major wins, at the same location they got their f- most recent major win. Uh, for Kyle, his first cup win came at Fontana. His last cup win came at Fontana. Uh, Richard, some of the races he's most known for are the Daytona 500s that he won. The first one came in 64. His final win came in uh, 1984 in the Firecracker 400. So there are some differences, but... Overall, it's going to be a record we'll look back at, just like Richards to a certain degree. Now, is there now is there anybody close? Anybody close with those type numbers? Because I know Kyle tends to run a lot more truck races. Um, Kevin Harvick, he, he did when it was allowed. He ran a lot more than any of the other guys would. Uh, Kevin Harvick just reached 100 last year, 
But after uh, his run-in with Ross Chastain in the Xfinity Series race last year, uh, Kevin has said that he's done running the lower series, at least Xfinity and Truck. Um, Otherwise, uh, unless you want to combine the one win that Jimmy Johnson has with all of his cup wins, there's no one relatively close. Okay. Now, Gray, I want you to weigh in on this because you uh you were watching the sport when Richard Petty was uh setting his record, and mm-hmm. you're watching the sport now as 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 Kyle Busch is um making his mark. So, how do you how do you feel the two compare? Both feats are are, are remarkable, and you can't and, and they happened in two different eras, two different two different times. Circumstances were a lot different uh, in, in in each. Um, Richard gained all his uh his wins in the premier series in NASCAR. Kyle has got his 200 wins over the, over the now three premier series in NASCAR. Uh, obviously people are going to say what they want, but I'm tell you what winning races is hard, no matter what, uh, what series you're in. And, uh, a lot goes on to do it both on and off the track, uh, Getting the sponsor, putting the sponsors together, uh, getting fielding the team, and uh, you got hats off to what Kyle Busch has done. He's probably the hardest working man in the sport today, for for all the. <laughs> uh, I think uh, you know it. It him winning two hundred, of course ninety some in the uh, in the Xfinity series and and fifty some respectively in in uh, in both Cup and, and Truck series. Um, you know, it, it, in, in this time, the way the table is set, uh, Kyle Busch has taken advantage of it the way Richard Petty took advantage of the situation back then. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't this comparing the two, you can't do it. Let's just sit back and appreciate what we saw from both men. Both men were were, you know, uh, at the zenith. In, in, in their respective eras. And, uh, you know, I, I can go back to uh, to what uh, Dale Inman uh, told me years ago when Kyle Busch first came on the scene. And he, he and, 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 and of course, I, I pretty much put a lot of stock in Dale Inman's uh, words because he's seen it all and he's seen everybody race. He, he told me at the time that Kyle Busch was one of the best he'd ever seen. And without a doubt, and he could be one of the could be the best of all time if he wanted to be. But again, that's a relative that's a relative statement. That's that's you know that's people's opinion. But well, as a, so, a solid endorsement, from a Dale solid Inman. endorsement from someone that has evaluated talent and seen it over the years. Richard Petty even said this, and you see a lot of old time fans uh, sit and 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 this is the thing I argue with. With older fans, they talk about racing ain't as good today as it was then. Well, actually, racing today is better than it was. It's more, it's, it's you got more cars uh, on the lead lap. You got more competitive cars than, than you've ever had. People just kind of tend to the to, to go back to the golden era because they liked the cars back then. They liked the personalities of the drivers. Doesn't necessarily mean that racing is any 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 better or any less better today than it than it, than it was back then. Um, you know, Kyle Richard Petty made the statement, you know, and he's, of course, he's been in the news a lot with this 200 win thing. And Richard said it best. Kyle's ability as a race car driver would translate as well 
in his era as it does today. He's, he, you know, he, Kyle could, could be a highly competitive and, and, and good race car driver in that era as he is today. And that's a good, that's a good sound endorsement from, from the King himself. You know, the, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know absolutely. a lot of people say, well, these guys today, they couldn't drive those cars because they didn't have power steering and they weighed 4,000 pounds and this, that, and the other, you know, a, a, a guy that has, has a good feel for a race car is going to translate well in, in any, you've, you've seen guys like Mario Andretti. I mean, Mario went from discipline to discipline to discipline, AJ Foyt. Those guys probably some of the best, best race car drivers this country's ever produced. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, guys who, who get it are going to be good in, in anything. To, I, I have no doubt that if Kyle Busch decided to, uh, uh, probably a little bit too old now, uh, he, he's, you know, in, in his, in his early thirties, but, uh, if he had he chosen earlier, I, I, I seriously doubt it was not a discipline that he could not have mastered, you know, in American motorsports, uh, for sure. And, um, you know, like I said, I think it's a great accomplishment. I think every I think we're treated every time we see Kyle Busch get behind the wheel and race and no matter what he's running in. Uh, obviously, sometimes, you know, he's I mean, you see when he races on in the truck series and in the Xfinity series, why he is so good because, you know, he, he shows you what the difference is between the guys that race on Saturday and the guys that race on Sunday. And he is, he's at the top of his game right now. And I think, you know, fans, whether you like him, or hate him, just sit back and enjoy what you're seeing. You're seeing history made. And, uh, He's an incredible talent, no doubt about it. Good, good oh, no. points, Gray. Oh, yeah, that was good. Seth, you have a couple comments before yes, we want to start uh, talking about the race itself? Y- yes. Uh, going back to uh, what uh, Gray literally just said, uh, yes, there is a difference between the guys that race on Sunday versus Saturday. However, if you look back through Kyle's 93 Xfinity wins, about 70 of them he was racing against other cup drivers. Mm-hmm. So the comparison isn't nearly as dramatic. Granted, not the entire field, but there is a portion of the field. Yeah, well, yeah, a portion of the field. Yeah, yeah. he was racing a guy. He was racing Logano and Keselowski and, and Harvick and, and, and those guys who took who 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 made forays and you know in, in into Bush too. But it still shows you. The, the talent level because what's what's his winning percentage in uh, in um, I saw it the other day he's he's won ten uh, percent right at ten percent of his uh, cup starts and obviously his his Xfinity and Truck Series are, are much much higher uh, one of them is uh, uh, it, uh, in the Truck Series he's won over one third of the races that he has entered. Right. And I mean, you know, that, that he, and here's, here's another thing too, about that too. Obviously Kyle Busch is not racing to Patty's bank account in, in the Xfinity series and the truck series. He is, here's a guy that loves to race. He wants to be in, he wants to be in. I mean, you know, and he's kind of disappointed in the fact that, you know, they've cut him back from, from running and Xfinity. And he's, he's already said, should NASCAR further legislate 
of those guys out of it. Well, he'll shut his operation down. And then people turn around and say, well, get mad at him for that. Well, Kyle, not only is he doing this, he's given a lot of other young talent a shot in his equipment. Granted, you know, they bring the money and everything to uh, to do that, and he he provides the equipment and fills the trucks fills the trucks for him. But there again, he's got he has he has that platform that he's putting younger talent out there to uh, to, to give them give them their chance to shine and, and move up as well. So you and, know, Kyle's gives back a ton to this sport, and he gives back in ways that some people don't realize. Going all the way back to when he was driving for Billy Blue in the truck series, mm-hmm. he was not accepting a paycheck from Billy. He was allowing Billy to keep all the money. Yeah. And, and he, just, you know, another way that, you know, he gave back to the series, he basically helped Billy in a certain point into retirement because uh, he bought the team from Billy to create Kyle Busch Motorsports. Right. Uh, I mean, and he did that because he he loves to race. I mean, that is his passion, and it's and it's what he does. And I tell you, uh, and Seth, if you watch the race on Sunday, I mean, when he when he got the speeding uh, penalty uh, on pit road, he came back out and lined yeah, up. That, I think that, about that was seven, impressive. Some of those moves he made. So that's what I was getting ready to say. Some of the moves that he made in traffic were 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 just. I mean, he was the show coming back through traffic there. Uh, to to get back, he came from seventeenth to to get back. I think as high as third uh, before the you know before the final caution allowed him to uh, allowed the, the field to reset, and then he just you know he drove away. But um, just 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 good. he puts butts in the seats, and that's what you want in a race car driver. That's what you want. You you don't have to love him. You don't you know people love him, people hate him, but still he he gives you. And I've worked with the man. Uh, on several occasions in the Xfinity series uh, many years ago. And when he got in that race car, he gave you 110%. And when he got in there, because his, he, his, his, he's got like tunnel vision, his focus is singular. He gets in that race car. He's got one thing on his mind and that's winning the race. And if, and if he's your, if you're on a crew that he's driving your car, you couldn't be happier because that guy is going to give you, Everything he's got, every lap of that race. Fantastic. So let's now speak of the race. Let's let's talk about the race itself. I, for one, felt like the aerodynamic package looked a whole lot better here at Fontana than it did at some of the previous tracks. I, I thought the race was quite entertaining. I thought the package worked well. Uh, I thought the television commentator did a very nice job of explaining how. Uh, how the drafting had changed and what was different. So um, what were y'all's thoughts on uh, just the quality of the racing in the aero package? I thought it was okay. I didn't, I didn't uh, go ahead, Seth. I'll, I'll, I'll let you speak. I, I, I was going to say, I think they're on the right track. Uh, no pun intended, uh, but heading in the right direction for where the aero package truly needs to be. Granted, this might be just a, another or step on the road to what eventually will probably be the Gen 7 car uh, two, three, maybe four years down the road from now. That being said, uh, there are still some tweaks that they have to work out. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, some of those tweaks might just be because uh, we didn't actually know what to expect 
and we had people again we talked about this before drivers team owners other people in the media saying we're going to expect a b and c and we don't get any of that yeah Uh, yeah and i think i think it's all good points and i think too it's still a work in progress i think one of the things that we see i think the, the 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 far as the aerodynamic package they're headed in the right direction i think what they need to tweak you know, to, to work with this package a little bit is work with the tapered spacer. Uh, you know, we, we, we have two different spacers that we use at the, at the bigger tracks and another one at the smaller tracks. I think if these cars had a little bit more throttle response, uh, maybe just a little bit more horsepower to go with the high downforce, we probably would see a little bit maybe a little bit better racing, a few more passes and whatnot, because this particular race at, at Fontana, uh, a two-mile track, took on, uh, you had, it took on some characteristics of an Xfinity race in that it was a momentum, a momentum style race. I believe if the cars had a little bit more throttle response, and that's something they could maybe tweak, you know, in conjunction with this aero package they got, work with this, uh, this uh, tapered spacer that they're using to kind of, dial dial the, the 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 whole concept in a little bit but like i said you know it is an improvement you got to give nascar credit they're trying to uh uh to do it uh the one thing i did not like and of course it it gives you a a, a little bit of insight into what i'm talking about what the drafting and the, and the momentum deal was the debacle with qualifying and i'll let seth uh, expound on that a little bit, but you know that was a situation where everybody sat on pit road and nobody made it back to the line in and time to start the last lap. So therefore, no one recorded a a time in the third and final uh, qualifying setup. So it reverted back to speeds in the uh, in the second round, which Austin Dillon uh, had the fastest lap, so he ended up sitting on the pole. And I think NASCAR was a little upset with that. They and were. They're going uh, to. Scott, the, Scott the fans, Miller. The, the fans, the few that were there, were well, quite upset. Well, Scott Miller said that they're going to uh, gonna amend that uh, that procedure a little bit, too. But they're not going back to single car qualifying no, now. But they, I think they'll come up with something where you've got to. To me, here, here's, here's, what, here's what needs to be done. Uh, you have to go out. You have to go out in the first two minutes of each segment. You have to lay down a qualifying time within the first two minutes of a segment. That will cover all three, uh, all three qualifying segments, and you are required to go out. Now that gives that, that the reason I say that you go out in the first two minutes is that should you want to go out again that would leave time in most uh, qualifying segments to go out and make a second lap if, if you so desired. So that's, to me, that would be the easiest thing. If you do not go out within the first two minutes of a qualifying session, you forfeit that session and you start at, at the, at the tail end of whatever that segment would be. That that's my, that's my fix for, for it. But I don't know what NASCAR will do. Well, 
<laughs> I mean, it, it, if you if you did that though, realistically, Gray, that that last session with the last session is what five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So every would they wait to those two minute two minutes? They'd all go out at the two minutes there. It, it didn't then, matter. They, but but they, yeah, they, then they, they they would get the laps in. What we right. saw this past weekend was just I'm sorry for lack of a better word, it was stupid. May I? How do how do you miss time that you don't know how long it takes well, to get around here, the track? Well, here's they the deal. Time it. They didn't miss time it. They didn't uh, miss time it. What happened was. What happened Austin, was Austin Dillon, who was fastest in round two, positioned himself in front of the group. So as everybody left at the correct time, he slowed down. Then he would speed back up. Then he would slow back down. Blaney realized and shot ahead of him. Blaney missed the line by one second. Mm-hmm. So the RCR plan was. Are you saying this was a little bit of intentional? Cat yeah. and mouse, yeah, it's a uh, cat and mouse game, and and here's the deal, they they that's why they all sat on pit road because they wanted to get out and get in get in a draft and and that, and that kind of thing. Listen, these guys are the best in the business. They figure this stuff out in the first few minutes of a practice session. They know what they have to do, and every and 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 then it's monkey see, monkey do, and they all they all sat there, and we're gonna do it. You can't fault, you know. You can't fault the drivers for doing it because they, you know, they were doing what they thought was best, and you know, within the rules, they were right in that. Now, did it? Now, did it, did they uh, violate, or if you want to use that term, the spirit uh, of the thing? Yeah, maybe they did, but still, their job is to get the best situation they can get, and they played that cat and mouse game, and it bit them. That's why and- I say. If you go revert to this segment, and, you, and every car in every segment has to go out within the first two minutes, you could do the first three, four minutes in the first segments because they're longer. But at least in the, when you get to that last segment, which is, you know, five minutes long, you have got to lay down a time within the first two minutes. That way, if you just decide to come in and put on – uh, well, you can't put on tires, but go, go back out and try to do it. You, you do have a chance to improve. But generally, you won't have anybody um, do that because, uh, I mean, obviously, you're going to start, start in the top 12 anyway, you know, the last. But still, you, you hold, hold their feet to the fire and make them have to go out within a, you know, a certain period of time and lay down a lap. Now, the, the only other thing I can think of is that they always say there is that nobody wants to be the first car out. I guess you could draw straws and have somebody be the sacrificial lamb and say well, you have to go first. Well, so. in the, well, in the second round, uh, they had a similar thing go on, except people actually made it to the line. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kurt Busch thinking that, and his team thinking that people weren't going to make it to the line, they gambled. He went out by himself and ended up qualifying uh, 21st. Yeah. So it, it is a hit and miss game. And I will say this, this is not the first time this has happened. Granted, it's the first time in the Cup Series that everyone didn't make it. It happened in the Truck Series back at Atlanta, I think, in 2015. Mm -hmm. And after that, they went to the rapid-fire single-truck qualifying Mm -hmm. at tracks that are 1.5 mile or greater. In the Xfinity Series, they did a similar thing in 2015. After at Michigan, both Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott failed to make it to the line in the final round, both of whom would have reset the record for the fastest qualifying time in 
Xfinity Series history. Mm-hmm. So there is a president for this, and also in 2015 at Michigan, yeah. uh, Blaney was the only one in trucks to actually make a time in the third round because of these kinds of shenanigans. Yeah, and and, and uh, like I say, that's always an unintended consequence to some of these rule changes, and that's why I'm saying uh, maybe tweak the uh, the tapered spacer at these bigger tracks a little bit. Give them a little bit more horsepower to kind of offset a little bit of that downforce to where you've got some throttle response, and uh, that may be that may be the answer. I, I I don't know that it is, but it's worth a shot, worth a try to kind of tweak this package and see see what happens. But yeah, you know, it's something to talk about. You know, it it, it was not your regular uh, ordinary mundane qualifying session, was it? It sure gave us a lot to talk about. I mean, yep. you know, because I mean, I know the three of us were talking about it uh, yeah. on on Saturday afternoon or Friday Friday evening, rather. So now, Richard, yeah. Richard, give me your take on this. So I know you have some thoughts on this as well. Oh, the uh, the qualifying debacle. Yes. I mean, how hard can it be? If you don't set a time in qualifying, you start at the back. Yeah, and essentially right. that's that's what they all did. They defaulted. Back, but, but they, you know, I, uh, I, I say what you can say. I, I would say, you know, I'm, I see what you're saying, Richard. You take the guys that were eliminated yeah. in the first yeah. segment and, and put them ahead of the guys yeah. that but, that that failed in the last uh, last but, segment. Yeah, but it's not that much of a penalty. Also, the yeah, reason so why instead, I'm yeah, saying instead that, of starting twelfth, you're going all the way to the back. Yeah, that but, would, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. not Go that much of a penalty though, because in the race itself. Both Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin had a speeding penalty, and they started at the tail end of the longest line. It took Kyle 47 laps to move from the last car in line to the lead. Yeah, no, oh, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I but, agree. Uh, but, yeah, hey, starting but qualifying the, the position is... Yeah. The, the, then why qualify? We'll just draw, draw straws, you know. Um, was, I guess there's two things to look at, really. Firstly... You know, you write for a Kyle Busch or a Kyle Larson or a, you know, Martin Truex Jr. Something like that, you know, a guy who's on top of his game. You put it into the back, it's like, I'm sure Kyle Busch is secretly loving it. Because he's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to have some fun now and prove myself. So it's a bit of entertainment for the fans. We get it. But also, and again, say you get somebody who sneaks into the top 12, who would only qualify 10th at best anyway. You can't put them to the back, and they're not going to be back up in 10th within 50 laps. They'll be 20th in 50 laps. So it's a, it's a bigger penalty to these guys that are, you know, qualifying 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, that sort of range. So to them, it is a big penalty. To a couple of the guys, uh, it won't be. So it, it sort of, you know, it negates it a little bit, and... And it, it keeps the entertainment, you know, because people pay reasonably good money to go there on a Friday night and watch qualifying. It's not the most enthralling, you know, day of racing you're ever going to see, but you're still paying good money to do it. So Absolutely. it makes you a mockery of the fans. Worth. It makes a mockery, you know, it's it's almost like, you know, sticking your fing- middle finger up at your fans. Saying, well, we don't care about the fans. You know, because 99% of the fans there, or 95% of the fans there, will not have understood why what happened happened. 
they won't get the concept of drafting and wanting to be the last one to leave pit lane and pit road and all this sort of stuff. They won't get it. They just want to go there and have a couple of drinks and watch some cars go around fast. And if they're all sat there like idiots, they're going to be like, what a waste of money this is. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So is, let's, uh, let's, let's, um, we're, because we're getting, fighting the clock here. Um, so let's, uh, talk briefly about Megan Picks for Martinsville. And then, uh, Gray, I know you've got to get on your way. And then, Seth, you've got some, um, notes about the truck race coming up here. And then we'll, that'll leave us a few minutes to talk about the upcoming IndyCar race. But, uh, so, Gray, who do you, who do you like for Martinsville? Martinsville's always an entertaining race. Yeah, it always is, and, and 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 you never know. I tell you, uh, two guys come to mind right now, uh, and and I think you know uh, Joey Logano has been very tough there at Martinsville uh, last couple of times. Uh, Kyle Busch has got <laughs> get, finally got a win there, but I tell you, I believe I'm gonna have to stick with the hot hand right now, and I'm gonna say uh, Kyle Busch. Uh, Oh, and, and the two cars all has been really good there too. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the hot hand right here and say Kyle Busch uh, makes it uh, three in a row. All right, and Seth, uh, I am gonna go with Martin Truex Jr. getting his first short track win. Okay, I, I believe every Martinsville race you say that, and he's not got, he's not got to take care of yet. So I'll, uh, I'll 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 ring Martin up on the phone and see if he's Seth out with this. So, but the, yeah, again, it's it's amazing he doesn't have a short track win yet. So, Richard, uh, Amarola. Okay, and I'm gonna go with Danny Hamlin. He always runs well there, so and he's. Toyotas haven't been bad, so Fords have been better. I, don't know, I should have mm-hmm. said Keselowski. Denny Hamlin came out of my mouth, so oh well. But um, now Seth, so the trucks have a big weekend at Martinsville. We've got a large field and a lot of a lot of rookies, right? Yes, uh, we have 39 entries, and 14 of them are rookies. Uh, there's so many rookies. NASCAR is actually having a rookie-only practice session uh, on Friday. Wow! Uh, it's the first time. That- to my knowledge, that they have done this in almost a decade, if not a little longer. Uh, you have four drivers making their NASCAR Truck Series debut, and the other ten are either making their second start or are running for Rookie of the Year this year. Uh, you have Juan Manuel Gonzalez running for Jennifer Joe Cobb, uh, Tony Marakovich running for his own team, Daniel Sassnet running for Josh Rayome, and uh, you have Rafael Lassard running for Kyle Busch, all making their debut this weekend. So a lot of new faces. So this actually bodes well for the series to have a lot of new faces in. You know, realistically, that you're two rungs down from Cup when you're when you're running Truckster. So, um, what kind of race do you do you anticipate with 39 trucks on the? Well, on the short oval with a lot of a lot of new. Well, there's there. 39 entries, but only 32 will make it. The field okay. is only 32. That being said, uh, depending on who makes it, you have a couple of Cup drivers in the field: Austin Dillon, Bubba Wallace, and Kyle Busch. Uh, it's going to be an interesting race, mainly because you're going to have such a diverse group between uh, drivers who are still learning their craft, especially at a tough track like Martinsville. You're going to have veterans. Honestly, the last time I remember seeing this diverse of a group, we had somewhat of a carnage-filled race at Martinsville. Uh, 
I believe that was the race that a mallet went flying at Kevin Harvick's truck from mm-hmm. Ty Dillon's team. That sounds familiar. So, yep. Yeah. Whether you know, or not it comes to that, I don't know. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some sparks flying. Yeah, and this is one of these races here that, you know, that, that uh, one of these short track races that a lot of guys circle because they're trying to, to get their approval to 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 further go further in the truck series. So we'll, um, on, on how they do, of course, they'll be under a lot of a lot of eyes this weekend to see how they handle traffic and and, and things like that too, to to see because some of these guys don't qualify to run on some of the bigger tracks. So this is their this is sort of a stepping stone race for these young kids. And uh, uh, I actually they, have two examples of that. Uh, you have Derek Krause, who's going to be running for Bill McNally. And you have Tyler Ankrum running for David Goland. Ankrum just turned 18, so he's running the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. However, although he won the Canaan Pro Championship in the East Division last year, he still needs approval to run the 1.5-mile tracks and mm-hmm. the Super Speedway later right. on this year. Derek Krause, although he's only running four races, this will give him approval to run Dover, which, mm-hmm. if he runs Dover, will give him approval later in the year to run Vegas. Yeah. So, so, that, so, so briefly explain this approval process to uh, me. Is it just you have to have run a number of laps or miles at tracks, or does, or does somebody actually have to sign off and approve you? That's okay. You don't. Do that, that. That, the sanctioning body itself does. They have, okay. You, have, you just can't. You just can't buy a truck and show up at Charlotte or. Oh, I, I understand or, or, that. Or, or yeah. Basically. You do have to run a certain number of laps. Uh, the sanction body will go to your peers, the other competitors. Uh, and I believe Brett Bodine is the one who signs off on whether or not you're approved. Right. Mm-hmm. And basically, you're either approved to go run Dover, let's say, like Derek Krause will probably be. Or for Tyler Ankrum, it would be Texas uh, in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, that being said... There's also been times, the last uh, one comes to mind last year, in which a driver actually had his license pulled, and that was Mike Seneca after uh, some of the antics he pulled in this very race last year. Mm-hmm. So there you, uh, go. there you go. You know, it's kind of like the old old test at uh, the old uh, rookie test at Indianapolis. You know, you had to go out and turn so many laps under the watchful eye of the veterans and whatnot. You know, before you got approval, and of course they, you know, how they used to do the speed. You know, they kept you under a certain speed, and you gradually built up. It, it's it's somewhat similar to that because you, but because you are under the scrutiny of the sanctioning body, uh, and they want to see how you handle yourself before they let you move up. So yeah, it's just a stepping stone type process, and uh, you know, of course NASCAR does that in 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 the lower tier lower series, and it kind of helps you. Helps the drivers progress through the ladder. Now, I will say this: of all the rookies, there's two that are already approved to run all the races, only because they have done so in ARCA, with how diverse their schedule is, Mm -hmm. and that is Harrison Burton and last year's ARCA champion Sheldon Creed. But you know, last year Harrison Burton couldn't run some of the mile and a half. Yes. 
All right, we need to move on and talk about the IndyCar race coming up. we just got a few minutes left, so uh, we've got all our picks in for Martinsville. going to be a really fun weekend there. Gray, are you going down to Martinsville for the race? Or? No, I'm not going to be able to make it this this particular time. I'll probably hit Martinsville in the fall. We we uh, won't be able to do it this weekend. All right, I'm not I'm not going to be down there either, So, but I'm looking at the fall again, you know, what? Uh, mm-hmm. just sit in the cold and the wind, so uh, Martinsville's always a great Well, maybe place. it won't be that bad this time. Man, keep your fingers crossed. We got to get a sunny day, you know, with yeah. uh, with very, you know. With you can get. I tell you what, you can. You, I've I've gone up there in in March and sat through some cold days too. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, but um, speaking of which, so the Indy cars are going to make their debut at Circuit of the Americas uh, in Austin. That is the track that was built specifically to host the Formula One cars. They've hosted the Formula One since I believe is it 2011. Richard, is that correct? Uh, yeah, probably getting on for seven or eight years now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, they've got. I, I believe they said the advanced ticket sales where they they're expecting about thirty thousand um, advanced ticket sales plus whatever walk up they have. Uh, they look like there might be a little rain on Saturday, but I, I expect the cars to perform well on that circuit. Uh, now, Richard, you're you're familiar with that circuit. What are your thoughts on the um, the, the circuit itself and how will the Indy cars take to it? I think it'll be great. I mean, I think that it's a. Uh... For, for want of a better word, not being disrespectful, it's a big boys track. Um, the only thing I think visually, I wonder if those cars will look a little bit lost out there. You know, you're used to seeing the cars, you know, running on, um, you know, places like St. Pete and Long Beach and and and, and uh, Toronto. You know, the the street circuits with the close-in walls, and then the um, sort of more classic circuits that they do run on are typically, uh, you know, not as visually... Um, yeah, you're talking about the grassy, you know, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's, in Ohio. Yeah. And here yeah. at, at Coda, we've got all this painted runoff surface. Yep, exactly, yep. yeah. So gonna... it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it could be like you're watching ants run around your, your uh, you know, your driveway sort of thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I hope not. Frank, I really do. S- have you seen the entry list? How many cars are expected to be there? At least 24, I'm sure. 20, there are 24 cars entered. Um, we got two guys uh, that'll be, that didn't raise the St. Peter there. Kyle Kaiser will be there. Uh, that's the only confirmed entry for Yunkos this year. I'm sure they're going to add some more on them. But Kyle Kaiser will be there. And then Pato Award will be in the second Carlin car, making his um, 29th, making his first start. Uh, Charlie Kimmel was in that car uh, in the last week. So, again, a pretty good field. Uh, 24 cars. You know, Jack Harvey will be there. Um, I expect the cars I expect to be strong are, are guys that are just, you know, uh, Takuma. I think this circuit will su- suit Takuma style. I think it'll suit Plenty Rossi. of runoff, you mean? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, but no, but he's uh, this type of circuit. Because remember he, where he won yeah. last year was Portland. And yeah. it's, it's kind of uh, – uh, it'll suit Rossi. Certainly any circuit in the world suits Will Power. Yeah, that's, that's but, what I was going to say. But you've got well, the, guys, the guys with experience there. Uh, Erickson. Marcus Erickson. It'd be interesting. Erickson, Chilton, Erickson, Chilton, and Rossi have all raced in Formula 1 there. So uh, It'd be interesting to see Erickson. I think there could be a bit of pressure on him this weekend. You know, because again, people look up to him. You know, hey, you you, you know, you raced it. You know, the, and I mean, you got to remember as well. I mean, he had a, you know, what was it, a five-year Formula One career? So it wasn't like he was a one-year, eh, and you know, you know, he he did a lot of races in Formula One, um, over a hundred, probably about a hundred. So you know, 
the, yeah, the trouble we is, yeah, we really didn't get to see what he had to offer because no. he dropped out with a mechanical at St. Pete. So we'll just have it's to see how that comes out. does, yeah. I, say, I think now, there could be some pressure on this weekend. Yeah, yeah, see how it does. Well, that's going to be an interesting race. That's going to be fun to watch. Martinsville is going to be fun to watch. Uh, Formula One will have the week off, and then they'll get going again the week after that. But, fellas, we're out of time, so I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio and Spreaker. I want to thank all you folks who tuned in and listen. This is Drafting the Circuits. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.